Opinions expressed in this episode are personal. They do not necessarily reflect the views of this streaming platform. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Let's Be Diverse. I am your host, Andrew Stout. This episode is dedicated to all my loved ones who have supported me through this journey. We all know that emotions are part of our life, inside and outside of the workplace. Most of the time, in a work context, emotions can come out in situations where organizations are working on upcoming projects. Hope, in some cases, is a purely positive emotion. However, we know that hope can play an important role within any organization. In this episode, we will discuss the science of hope and how it can affect us at work. My guest today is someone that I truly admire. Her name is Lindsay Recknell. As an expert in hope and certified psychological health and safety advisor, Lindsay works with individuals and organizations to increase their level of psychological health and safety in the workplace using positive psychological and science of hope. She empowers individuals, strengthens teams, and transforms organizations through her mental health skill training certificate program, language and of mental health digital subscription, and wellness seminars. Lindsay lives in Calgary, Canada with her husband and her two golden retrievers. I feel I am winning tonight because I have wanted to have her on my podcast for a long time. She is inspirational respectful, trusting, and compassionate. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much. I feel like I'm winning tonight. (laughs) Oh, we could both be winning, Lindsay, but like I said, I have been wanting to have you on for the longest time. And when you said yes, I was absolutely excited to have you on. I'm excited about this episode. Thanks. Yeah, the Mutual Admiration Society is in session. (laughs) Yes. How are things with you? How are things been? Things are really good. Nothing like a global pandemic to help me spread my message, really. Everybody needs a lot of hope these days. I feel like in some cases, people have lost their hope. In some cases, people are feeling super, super hopeful coming on the other side of the pandemic. And I think there's a lot of, you said it, there's a lot of emotion out there, both negative, positive, and everywhere in between. And it's been been my pleasure, my honor to have conversations like this with you, with other people. And most importantly, I think just empowering people with language, with the words to you have really important conversations. I think most of the time we want to have important conversations. We want to talk about things like hope and resiliency and all of those things. And sometimes we just don't know the words to use to have those kinds of conversations. And it's been my pleasure to share, help people to get the comprehension and the words. And I agree with you 100%. I think the message too is that it's okay to need to talk about it and to want to talk about it. So not to be afraid to talk about it, just... Pull somebody aside, and there's many people that will listen. So I think that's important as well. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree with you more. Before we begin, I always have a fun question to ask my guests to get things going. Are you ready for yours, Lindsay? You bet. Bring it on. All right. So your question is, would you rather be an unimportant character in the last movie you saw 
or an unimportant character in the last book you read? Ooh, an unimportant character in the last book I read. Because I think, I feel like, you don't know me for five minutes before you know what a big book reader I am. Like, long learning is my top value, I would say. And I haven't watched a lot of movies lately. So I'm going to go with a character in a book. (laughs) That's a good one, actually. When I saw this question today, I wasn't expecting that answer. (laughs) But you always cease to surprise me. So you surprised me today. Excellent. (laughs) Thanks so much for having fun with me. I sincerely appreciate that. I enjoy asking those questions because my guests just never know what's coming. So Yeah, it's super fun. What a great way to start. It is. It's so fun. It's more, I think it's more fun for me (laughs) sometimes than the guest. (laughs) Lindsay, why don't we get the show started by you telling us a little bit about you, your background and your story. Sure. So I got into doing this work as a self-proclaimed expert in hope from a very personal story. So very personal place back in five years ago, summertime of 2018, I suffered from total complete overwhelm and burnout. I was working for two different people at the time and I went I went to one leader and I said, things are not awesome in my life right now. I'm struggling. Here's what's going on for me. And that leader said, I'm sorry to hear that, but it doesn't really involve me. Please get back to work, basically. Mm-hmm. And I went to the other leader and they said, sorry to hear that. How can I help? What do you need? What can we do? Clearly, we all need leader number two's response because that's the supportive, compassionate response. But in leader number one's defense, they didn't really know any different. From a work perspective, I really believe that leaders haven't been taught how to have these conversations. They don't know what to say because in management training to this point, they were told to check themselves at the door and leave personal lives behind. And so... I just wanted to close that gap. I wanted to close that knowledge gap for leaders, but I also wanted to close that gap for the rest of us who are interacting with each other in the workplace. I really wanted to help folks to understand that we get to bring our whole selves to work. We get to have conversations about what matters to us and use that knowledge and those relationships, build those relationships to really create thriving, focused organizations. And I think it is possible. I think that I know it's possible, in fact. So I, through my investigation of how it was going to be possible, I found the science of positive psychology and a field of science within positive psychology called the science of hope. And when you think of that word, when you think of that language of hope, I imagine that it brings to mind the sort of bubbly, anticipatory, intuitive feeling in your stomach that we all recognize that word. Right? And I imagine that most of us recognize that feeling. When I learned that there was evidence in science to support its power, my mind was blown. And I thought, hope has a PR problem, and I aim to solve it. So here we are, five years later, and I'm doing my best to solve hope's PR problem. I absolutely love that. Hope has a PR problem. <laughs> that is absolutely one of the best things I've heard in a long time. That is so unique. I just love that. I just want to dial back when you had said that one of the managers asked, what can I do? I'm imagining that they were a leader that was willing to listen to not find a solution, but to listen to what issues that you were having. This leader was really good at deferring to what I need. When I was speaking to them about what was happening, they said, what do you need from me? Do you need me to listen? 
Do you need to hold mm-hmm. space? Do you mm-hmm. need my shoulder to cry? Do you want advice? Do you want to be left alone? They really helped me talk through exactly what mm-hmm. I needed best because I think that's somewhere that's a place where we can potentially go wrong sometimes because mm-hmm. we may presume that what comfort or what answers we would need in a similar solution or a similar situation is what the person on the other end of that conversation, the person that is managing through a situation that they would need. We presume that it's the same and one million thousand times it percent it's not going to be the same. And so I was just really impressed with the way that they deferred to what I needed. And when I didn't know what I needed, they talked it through with me, which turned out to be what I needed. <laughs> it was just, yeah, they asked really curious, insightful, non-judgmental, respectful questions to try to really get to the bottom of what it was that I thought would help me the best. Within the confines of what was best, of course, for the organization and the job I was doing, that absolutely still comes into play. But they did it in a really me-forward approach or real wanting to take care of me as the human perspective so it it just makes me think that i wish that every leader was like that because they were empathetic and compassionate and you were seen heard valued and understood totally which i have undying loyalty to them now yeah just because of that super positive experience it didn't take much right no and i do my best work for them (laughs) like that's how it translates For anybody who says that treating people like humans in the workplace doesn't translate, I'm here to tell you that it absolutely does. Yes, I am on board with that too, because I have had some compassionate leaders as well, and I would pretty much do anything for them. I would go through a wall for them. They're not my leaders anymore. They're not my bosses, but I still talk to them and I will always respect them. One of them I even contact from time to time for advice because I just respect the way they portray themselves is what I respect. So for sure. Lindsay, what I would love for you to tell me now is what is your definition of hope? Great question. I remember when I started doing this work and I called my dad and said, Dad, I'm going to be an expert in hope. He says, what does that mean? What does that even, you know, what is an expert in hope exactly? And what I learned from investigating that question is that everybody's definition is slightly different. Even the scientists and positive psychologists that work in this space all the time, they have a slightly nuanced definition unique to them. So all of those words to say that I've come up with my own unique, slightly nuanced definition of hope, and that is that the future will be better than today when we take action over the things we can control. So the key words in there for me are future, action, and control. Because I really believe that hope without action is just a wish. I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, if we don't have any direction, if we don't know where we're going, if we just feel like everything is lost and there's no way out of it, then yeah, what are we doing? There's no way out of it. We're lost. When the science of hope talks about something called hope theory, could I share a little bit about that? I would love that. Hope theory says, or the equation of hope theory is goals, which are obvious, right? Goals, Mm -hmm. agency thinking, which is our internal motivation, our intrinsic reason for doing something. It's like our superpower. It's when we take agency over how we behave. Plus 
pathways thinking, which is essentially critical thinking. It's the ways that we can overcome all of the barriers and obstacles that get in the way. And somebody with hope, with high hope levels, sets goals, figures out where their agency is, figures out where their intrinsic motivation is to accomplish that thing, the why, so to speak, behind why they want to do that, accomplish that goal. And then they go out and do it. They take the action towards accomplishing that goal, recognizing that they are going to have to overcome all of the weirdness that gets in the way. We know that the path to goal accomplishment, especially big, hairy, audacious goals, if you will, can be complicated. They're probably not going to be in a straight line. And a hopeful person will really employ that pathways thinking to recognize that there's another way, there's another option, there's another alternative. And at the end of the day, the goal they set out to accomplish may or may not look the same as at the beginning, but a hopeful person will know that they're on the path to wherever they are meant to be. That's that's amazing. It makes me think of our passion and our why and figuring out what your why is. So that what you just told me there just makes me think of that. And once we figured out our why, like I know for myself, I had to figure out before I started doing a podcast, I had to figure out what my why was. And I knew I had a story to tell and I knew I had a bunch of topics that I wanted to talk about like this one. And I just needed to figure out how I was going to do it. And then the podcast became a reality. And now it's allowing me to talk about these great topics, which is my why. Yeah. And that's finding your why I think is so important to goal accomplishment because when it gets hard and it will get hard, especially if the goal really matters, when it gets hard, you're going to want to connect back to the reason for doing it because that gives you the internal motivation to push through the hard parts. And I have learned too that when it gets hard, it's okay to ask for help. I'm not alone. So I know that it's okay to do that. So what happens when an employee has lost their hope? So I don't believe that hope is actually lost. I think it might be buried down deep and the light might be super dim. But I always believe that we can find our hope. Hope is also contagious and it can be taught. So I think that's important to remember as well, especially if you aren't feeling so hopeful today. Go and find somebody who is and borrow some of theirs. Go and call your most hopeful friend. Go and listen to a positive psychology podcast. Go and talk to you, Andrew, a super hopeful person. Because hope is absolutely contagious and you can borrow some of that goodness from people. And then you can turn around and pay it forward when you are feeling more hopeful. When an employee isn't feeling so hopeful, just ask good questions. Get curious. Find out what's happening. How did you know? How did they feel like they got to this place? What is their expectation of a more hopeful future? What goals would they like to see accomplished in that future better than today? And then you can once they once you've talked that through and you get an understanding of what's possible and where they'd like to get to. Then you can talk about their why, talk about that agency thinking and what their motivation might be, and then help them to employ that pathways thinking of, okay, here's all the obstacles in front of us. How are we going to solve these? Mm-hmm. I heard somebody say once, the only difference between possible and impossible is the I am at the front, the I am mm-hmm. at the front. And so I find it helpful to remember that sometimes when I think, ah, oh, this is impossible. I cannot possibly do it. 
but it's really, I'm possible. Of course I'm possible. I can do this. I am possible. Yeah. I know myself, I've spoken to a lot of people, and I know that have lost hope. They've obviously lost their confidence, they've lost their resilience, and they've lost their creativity. But you just said before, which resonated with me, is asking questions. And I think if a leader was to take the time to check in, especially if they see somebody who they can tell that they've lost their hope, is if by just by asking them questions, I know for myself and I know a lot of people, just somebody asking how I'm doing or if they can help with anything, they may not have solved the problem for me, but just them asking meant a hell of a lot to me. Oh yeah, it goes a huge long way because you mentioned it earlier. We just want to feel validated, right? We want to feel heard. We want to feel understood. And I think just asking makes us feel like, yeah, we're not alone here. And I think ask good questions. Ask things like, hey, I I noticed your behavior has changed from how you typically show up. Is something going on for you? Things like that. Sometimes if we say, how are you? That can feel like a false platitude, right? It can feel like, oh, you ask that to the guy at the grocery store. Get a dig a little deeper. So I think as leaders, we can ask better questions as well. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. when we do that, it shows that we're truly coming from a place of authenticity. We really have compassion for the person in front of us and truly want to solve it. Like we're not just asking because we know we have to or because it's the right thing to do, but we truly mm-hmm. want to know what's happening and how we can help them through it. I totally agree with you because I've had customers that have contacted me in past jobs and they asked, how are you doing? Or what's new? Or how's it going on this particular day? And you could tell them till you're blue in the face that you were swamped, that you have no time for anything. And all they want is to find out if they can get a product, if they can get what they're looking for or if you can help them out with an issue. That's really what they're calling for. So they are asking how you're feeling, but in a kind of a way of just in a conversation. But when your leader, like I said earlier, comes up to you and asks you how you're doing, and like you said earlier, probes you to see, okay, what's going on? Tell me what's happening. Let's sit down and talk about it. Then you feel like, okay, maybe they do care at this instance. So I'm just going to open up and I'm going to tell them everything and maybe it's going to make me feel better or maybe we're going to solve the problem. But there is a total difference between the two for sure. Where do you think the word hope fits in the way leaders need to lead their teams, Lindsay? I think hope can be demonstrated through behavior. Okay. Um, And it it comes back down to language again as well. We talk about creating that hopeful future, if we align with our people on how, say, from a professional development perspective, what do they see as their future better than today? Awesome. What's your driver to get there? Great. What actions are we going to take to get us closer to that? And how can I support you in that? What are those kinds of conversations, I think, they can be difference makers, in building relationships and really helping employees to thrive in the workplace. Um, Just using language and words from hope theory to guide the conversation. Hope is a cognitive process in the brain. So when you're using language like that, your brain is responding in a really positive way. It's responding in a very unique way. 
in a very powerful way. And there's tons of evidence, scientific evidence out there that supports what I'm saying, that we're not leveraging well enough, mostly because we just don't know. But if we can really use that language, encourage people to connect to their agency and make sure that the I am possible is in that language, I think, well, that's a really great way to to help our employees to be more hopeful. Do you think that an employee who has a leader who is approachable is hope? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Like I say, hope is contagious. And so you, I do believe that you recognize hope in other people and are drawn to hopeful people in that way. I think that a leader can demonstrate through their behavior that they are a hopeful person and a psychologically safe person to engage with as well. We talk about feeling comfortable to speak up in the workplace or to dissent in the workplace or to share innovation and call up concerns without fear of retribution. And I think when people do that and a leader responds from a hopeful place, responds from a safe place, that, uh, that psychological safety continues to build on itself reinforced by behavior. Very interesting. That is a great insight on that. I appreciate that. It resonates with me for sure. Lindsay, do you find that many organizations do not believe in hope? I don't think anyone doesn't believe in hope. I think if you said to somebody, do you believe in hope? I'm not sure that anyone would say no. Okay. I do think that organizations haven't bought into the scientific power of it. Because to most people... Still, for sure, to most people, that language, that word of hope is often associated with that wishy-washy, cosmic woo, intuitive feeling. And they just, they aren't aware of its cognitive process in the brain. They aren't aware of positive psychology and the science behind it and how we can actually prove scientifically that having higher hope levels can lead to success in school and life and, and, and business. So I don't think that people would dispute that word, that language, that hope exists, but I definitely don't think they understand the scope of it's possible. Because you mentioned earlier when you were talking about your story, and you mentioned that your dad, when you said, I'm going to be, I'm going to study the science of hope, and he asked, what was that? I imagine that you going into organizations or speaking with individuals and you talk to them and you mention the science of hope, I imagine that there's a lot of people that have no idea what that is. They oh, yeah. know what the my, word hope is. But. My, my most popular workshop is called From Burnout to Hope. And I start with, all right, who looked at the agenda, saw the title of this workshop and rolled their eyes? It's all my heavens. They're going to teach some high level nonsense. But by mm. the end, I'm telling you, it's my most popular workshop for a reason. Because by the end, people are bought in. They have had an experiential time over that hour or hour and a half that has shown them the power of hope. They felt it happening in their brain, in the activities that we do in that workshop. And they are believers. I can imagine because I could definitely see, like you mentioned before, if you're feeling like you've lost hope, speak to somebody who does have hope. And I could just see some people at work, like I'm feeling good. I have nothing wrong with me. Why are they feeling down? But 
if they were to understand a little bit of why people lose hope, and you were talking about your story earlier about uh, burnout, if they just understood it a little bit, that they could be a little bit more supportive to their coworkers. Because we do, in reality, Lindsay, we do spend a lot of time at work. We spend more time at work than we do with our families. So our coworkers are our family. And if we don't understand what they're going through, or sympathize because we may not understand fully, but if we just understand enough to sympathize with them, the world, I think, would be a hell of a lot better. Yes, I agree. Definitely would. Lindsay, if I could give you one word to describe yourself, what word would that be? Hopeful. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Oh, do you want a different one? Was that too easy of an answer? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's very good. Very, very hopeful. I think that's that word suits you most definitely. If I was to think of a word for you, I would say compassionate. And the reason why I say compassionate is because I'll do a little storytelling. When I first started connecting with people on LinkedIn and I saw your LinkedIn connection and I read your page and one of your posts, you're talking about, I think, I can't remember what the topic was, but You had at the bottom, you said, I'm here. If you need me, call me, message me. As always. Text me, as always. And when I saw that, I was so impressed, Lindsay. (laughs) And I thought, wow, this person is so compassionate. She will be there, whether you're a family member, friend, or if you are a stranger, she will be there for you. So... When I wrote this question down today, and I thought, I wondered what you were going to answer, but I thought right away, compassionate for you is the word that I would use for you. That's a, I so appreciate that. And I mentioned earlier that my number one value in life is lifelong learning. My other two mm-hmm. values, my other two top values are curiosity and compassion. Mm-hmm. And that's relatively new, my identification of those three emotions and experiences as my top three values. So it's very cool. You wouldn't have known that. So it's very cool that I am living out loud, it appears, in alignment with my values. So I really appreciate you calling that out and recognizing that because I, yeah, I really do feel that my skill in compassion, and make no doubt it is a skill, it is something, there's nature and nurture involved here, but I truly believe that hope, it can be taught. And I've worked hard to cultivate my compassion over the last five years. And I really appreciate that it shows up. It most certainly does. And I'm sure that a lot of our listeners and probably people that know you and have met you are probably going to agree with me 100% that you are compassionate 100%. There's no question about that. Thank you. Can I tell you one more story about the call me if you need me? um, Absolutely. So that... I have been saying that to my sisters since we were kids and I'm the oldest in the family of three. And when they got old enough to go out with parents or without parents with their friends or whatever, I always used to say to them as before they left, before they walked out the door is call me if you need me. Just as just a reminder that they knew that if they ever got into a situation that they were uncomfortable with or didn't feel safe or whatever, that they could call me. And I wouldn't tell mom and dad and they just knew they had a, somebody that they could count on to call. And I really tried and tried now we're all adults and they get to make their own choices, but just to continue to cultivate that out in the world with anybody. And it's not a empty 
suggestion either. I, in fact, I feel like you called me after that and said hi. And I feel like we started a conversation because yep. I, I try to, like I say, I try to live in alignment with my value. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I had a situation way back that I wasn't sure what to do, and you guided me through it. What I like about it is you actually didn't give me the answer. Because I am big on leadership and you didn't give me the answer. You didn't try to solve the problem. You just asked questions and you let me tell you what was going on. And I answered your questions. And from what I remember, I actually came up with the answer in the conversation. You just listened. And at the end, you said, I think that's a great direction to go in. That's all you said at the end. (laughs) So it was... A leadership skill that you possess that I noticed right from the get-go. So I mentioned earlier, I'm a fanboy of, <laughs> of Lindsay Recknell, and that is, there's a number of reasons, but one of them is that for sure. Right. Yeah. It's been a pleasure to get to know you and definitely, yeah, call me if you need me. <laughs> yeah, I definitely will. Lindsay, do you have any final thoughts today? No, just that this has been an awesome conversation. I so appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. And we've been LinkedIn connections for a long time. And it's it's nice to have the chance to explore a little bit deeper. So yeah, thanks for the opportunity. You're absolutely welcome. And I will tell you and the listeners, I didn't tell you before the episode started, but I already pegged you to come back on at some point. (laughs) So we will find a great conversation to have you on. I'm not letting you go. And we will definitely have you on as a guest again at some point, for sure. Sounds fantastic. I look forward to it. Thanks so much, Andrew. (laughs) You're very welcome. So on behalf of myself and my guest, Lindsay, I would like to thank you all for taking the time to listen today. And until next time, be safe. And remember that if we all work together, we can accomplish anything. You have been listening to Let's Be Diverse with Andrew Stout. To stay up to date with future content, hit subscribe.